both uh, Chinese and Indians are very hardworking. We always uh, have a very proud history, heritage, and uh, so on and so forth. Also, sometimes we even share the same jokes, like both the country we do not play soccer well. Like uh, 35% world population really doesn't get along with the World Cup. You know, what a coincidence. On the one hand, we are saying U.S. try to contain China. On the other hand, India was saying China try to contain India. So for me, it's like in this world, we are all connect and dependent on each other. Uh, no one can really contain uh, the other one to grow, to transform itself. I always, uh, you know, talking to some Indian friends, we always enjoy uh, recall the days uh, when uh, PM Modi was uh, visiting uh, President Xi in Wuhan before pandemic. That was uh, the high time for both nations. Welcome to the Ginger River Radio Podcast, a part of the GRR Media Outlet, and your go-to podcast for anything about the Chinese current events. I'm your host, Jiang Jiang, the founder of Ginger River Review, a newsletter that focuses on reporting the priorities of both the leadership and the general public in China, and views you do not normally see from mainstream English language media. If you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, go to www.gingerriver.com and sign up to join our community of avid China watchers. Now, let's dive into our podcast show today. In April this year, India outstripped China as the most populous nation globally, sparking a question among political observers. Can India support China to become the next global superpower? Presently, India's fertility rate is nearly twice that of China, and its economy has been growing at a faster pace than China's for the last two years with India's GDP expanding by 6.1% last quarter, compared to China's 4.5%. Recent years have seen a ratcheting up of tensions between China and India over border disputes, and this conflict appears to be spilling over into other domains, including the media and technology. Specifically, India has accused Xiaomi's Indian division and its executives of violating India's Foreign Exchange Management Act and seize a considerable amount of funds. Are India and China inherently rivals? How is India's business environment as the country is hoping to become the new world's factory? What impact does India's 5,000-year history have on the nation's modernization process and its goal of becoming a superpower? Joining to talk about China-India relations in the post-pandemic era, India's role in the world and its business culture today is Mike Liu, Liu Hong, who is Vice President, Senior Fellow of Center for China and Globalization, CCG, a leading non-governmental think tank in Beijing. Mike is also an accomplished executive with over 30 years of professional experience in digital transformation, operational excellence, cross-cultural leadership development, and market growth strategies with leading technology multinationals. Mike is a former managing director and legal rep for DXC Technology in Greater China Region. And before that, Mike was the global vice president, country head, and legal rep for Infosys in Greater China Region. Mike's experience spans across Greater China, US, Singapore, and India, where Mike has demonstrated his unique capacity to accomplish the growth agenda for the organizations he has served. He is also the author of the book, The Rise of Indian's IT Sector. In the book, he shared his experience in the Indian company and his insights into the secrets behind Indian's IT sector's success. We will discuss his book in this episode. Hi Mike, welcome to Ginger River Radio. Hi JJ. Very happy to be here. Thank you, Mike. Uh, I'm really happy that you're having this show with us. Uh, could you first share with our listeners a little bit more about your personal history with India and the kind of work you're doing at CCG right now? Actually, I started engaging India when I came to Singapore uh, in 1996. Uh, 
uh, after completing my MBA in the US. So I was hired by Hewlett Packard to work in a regional marketing center in Singapore and India was one of the uh, countries under my business portfolio. So I start my Indian connection since uh, you know my days in Singapore and right now I'm uh, as you introduced I'm with the CCG to provide advisory services for business sectors and the chambers of commerce uh, research on India related projects such as tech industry, trade, public policy, all these things have become my personal passion. Uh, Mike, I think you are one of the few people who has like high level positions in Indian companies for a certain considerable time and you are now uh, studying and making research on the Indian related subject. So my first question is that, uh, in your opinion, what are some common misconceptions that the Chinese people might hold about India? And uh, conversely, what misunderstandings do you think Indians might have about China? Well, JJ, I still maintain a record. I'm uh, the China-born Chinese uh, running Infosys. Uh, you know, this record has been there for last uh, uh, 20 years and uh, even today. So, you know, this uh, I was so privileged to have this opportunity to work there to really strengthen my understanding about Indian culture, Indian people, Indian style of management, as well as uh, how to interact with uh, headquarters customers as well as uh, employees uh, in China, right? So I look at in my all these uh, years experience, uh, if I may, the, uh, the, the Chinese, uh, the misconception about India, if I look at the, you know, one of uh, things would be undermine diversity and uh, in culture and the economic growth potential in India because people uh, people typically Chinese people always uh, when they talk about India they always uh, have an impression have a running train with uh, all the passengers even inside of a cabin as well on top of the train right uh, so that's a typical, you know, Chinese perception, but uh, many people really do not understand the diversity as well as, uh, you know, strong economic performance, as you mentioned earlier, right? On the other side, on the flip side, I look at the uh, Indian's misperception on China is that, you know, used to be and look at the China really have no idea China have been progress in us uh, 20 years and I always uh, thought maybe China is still very much behind as uh, India it is, right? And even today, some people here, they look at uh, China has made uh, great progress in transforming the society. And uh, India also feel, well, China, maybe you can try to contain uh, India's growth. I think those are major uh, misperceptions between two nations. Right. And uh, we know that both China and India have rich histories stretching back thousands of years and both large populations. From your perspective, what are some you know, interesting com commonalities between the two nations and uh, where we might see opportunities for cultural exchanges between the two countries? I, I look at the, you know, as uh, I develop my understanding uh, about India, you know, in last uh, 20, 30 trips uh, to India, going to a different places, I became very fascinated about the uh, culture, history. I see a lot of similarities, right? If I may, I look at uh, some shared common attribute uh, for two nations, uh, very much, you know, we all have a strong belief in education. Uh, both uh, Chinese and Indians are very hardworking. We always uh, have a very proud history, heritage. 
and uh, so on and so forth. Also, sometimes we even, you know, share the same jokes like, uh, you know, both the country we do not play soccer well, like uh, 35% world population really doesn't uh, get along with the World Cup, you know, what a coincidence, because both uh, China and India were not really uh, competitive player in the uh, soccer game, right? So I look at the many, yeah, I look at that sometimes I feel, you know, uh, both nations, Indians play quicker, Chinese play the table tennis, ping pong, right? We'll say we are more uh, literally uh, good at, uh, with the sports with our hands rather than with our legs, right? So I look at the uh, definitely I see uh, lots of similarities. And also, we I look at the uh, for the uh, two nation. Definitely, there are many areas we can promote the exchange programs, like uh, student exchange programs. Uh, also, promote culture exchange. And I I was aware there are many Indians uh, students come to China before pandemic studying Chinese uh, medicine here and also some Chinese people uh, go to India to learn uh, yoga and uh, meditation. Both countries will have a passion, true passion I would say for food and uh, also for the uh, consumer goods. Also you talked about Xiaomi before. I look at that uh, in my travel down to the India, uh, literally I can see a uh, lot of uh, Chinese uh, consumer brands like uh, Xiaomi, Veo, and uh, Oppo, and as well as uh, higher those uh, consumer goods, right? So I look at lots of things we need to promote to build an adequate understanding about two nations. Actually, you mentioned about that the two countries, like yeah, both of them are not play soccer very well, but they constitute like 35% of the world population. Uh, but 2023, India has become the most populous country in the world with an average age of 28. How do you think this uh, demographic factor might impact India's future development? Uh, would you say that India's population growth could fuel its economic advancement the way China's population has? Uh, you know, this is uh, this my opinion absolutely. And uh, if you look at the China economy, have been growing in last 20, 30 years. That's uh, exactly, you know, we have a very strong uh, younger population be able to join the workforce, be able to attribute to the strong growth of the economy. If I look at the, uh, in India case, it's even more obvious. Uh, Indian private consumption accounts for 63.3% of your nominal GDP in 2022, right? So with uh, the uh, not just youth population, you will definitely help India to accelerate the growth. Size of population is one of the important parameters to yield higher uh, the economic growth ratios. Uh, so we know that uh, India has a large population, but for the you know past years, uh, do you think that there is any differences in terms of the population's impact on the economic development comparing with China? That's a, that's a very good question, JJ. I look at the uh, what I'm saying here is a trend. Maybe we'll you know uh, strongly reflect in the economic growth in five for seven years, right? If you look at in last two years, I can see the younger generation more. The younger generation population in India, they uh, skip uh, certain levels. Like uh, many of them, they even do not have a landline, some of them they even don't have, not have the bank account, they jump into a mobile phone, they start to the payment, shopping from the mobile phone, right? So, but the, you know, well, I do not have a number how this uh, younger generation contribute to the GDP, but the, as uh, the economy goes, I will anticipate to see a much stronger uh, contribution to Indian economy in the you know next uh, uh, three to five years.
Yeah, and、uh, let's talk a little bit about the India's diplomatic approach.、Uh, we know that India is hosting the G20 and the Shanghai Cooperation Organization Summit this year.、Uh, Prime Minister Modi has also recently visited the U.S. and addressed the Congress. Besides that, India seems to be adopting a balanced stance on the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And its decision to host the G20 tourism meeting in disputed Kashmir has sparked some controversy.、Uh, how would you describe India's diplomatic approach in recent years under Modi? Ah,、uh, well, I look at uh, even uh, I was there when Modi visited Shanghai, and、uh, I look at the Modi has a longer-term strategy. Uh, what you just describe、uh, those uh, recent uh, events or exposure for India on the global stage, that's a part of his、uh, longer term strategy, right? So I I think、uh, he has a strong belief to position India as the bridge. Uh, connecting major political and economic partnership in the world、uh, is always his strong belief to you know promote India to increase India's visibility in the global context, right? So I I see the、uh, India the foreign policy has adopted independent foreign policy from the core interests of India. In navigating complex、uh, geopolitics these days, India constantly explore opportunity to showcase his、uh, strong economic recovery to the world and、uh, try to maximize the exposure leveraging G20, uh, BRICS, uh, SEO to、uh, gain the visibility of India fever, right? So you you are saying the uh, the. Uh, The you know India held the、uh, G20 tourism forum、uh, in the dispute Kashmir. I look at that's、uh, probably it's、uh, exactly strategy. Ah,、uh, Indian、uh, government try to make a point known to the world that they have the control, right? So, ah,、uh, well, I don't think、uh, that's a right strategy because obviously you will create、uh, some discomfort with、uh, some country, you know, who also acknowledging the dispute, right? So, but、uh, that has been the yeah maybe in my view has been a way. Ah,、uh, Modi has proposed he. Want to leverage whatever opportunity he has to promote this、uh, the strong growth、uh, of India to the world. How how do you think about Modi's con-、uh, speech in the Congress and his、uh, recent interactions with the U.S. leaders? Well, I I look at the you know he maintained a very you know sometimes I have to.、Uh, Uh, give、uh, PM Modi、uh, my heartfelt respect. He has adopted a very、uh, skillful balance approach, right? If you look at、uh, his meeting with、uh, President Biden and、uh, also achieved those、uh, quite substantial agreement with the U.S., is、uh, that reflects he is.、Uh, Are、uh, taking the you know、uh, balance approach, try to ah、uh, how to ah、uh, manage this、uh, relationship with the U.S. and the flip side, he also have a strong ah、uh, the connection with the、uh, Russia, right? So if you look at the、uh, the way he is managing and、uh, he try to adopt independent view, but also he also be able to build the、uh, trust. As well as a good relationship, you know, if in the U.S. context, he build a connect as、uh, you know, U.S. have been the uh, uh, democratic country with、uh, long history being in the democratic system, and the India as a democratic country with the、uh, largest、uh, population, right? I think、uh, the way he articulate this、uh, share value and、uh, that definitely help. India to position well in the global context. Yeah, and with so shared value and also the agreement signed by the two countries,、uh, there's a talk about the U.S. wanting India to replace China in the world supply chain. How plausible do you think this is? 
And uh, some, some people in China also believe that China should implement policies to curb India's industrialization and keep it from becoming a competitor. Tell, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I make it the, uh, they are, actually this idea is very popular these days, right? You just want uh, India to replace China in the world. Uh, manufacturing supply chain, so on and so forth. I think uh, practically it's not possible, at least uh, in next uh, 10, 20 years, because uh, both the country will come with a different strength and the value proposition. If you look at uh, China really have built the, uh, uh, the, the, the manufacturing cap capacity as well as the uh, ecosystem to support the manufacturing capacity, right? And uh, also on the other hand is because uh, the this uh, very large market in China, domestic market, that give this uh, world class uh, world supply chain uh, opportunity continuously improve itself. Well, if I look at the in India, they are still in a very early stage, right? I mean, even now I talk about high-end um, manufacturing capability. I'm talking about basic, uh, maybe consumer goods assembly, as well as uh, the uh, basic, maybe manufacturing uh, capability for the white goods. Right, so I think India is not there. Right, even I don't even don't want to talk about China has significantly invest in technologies, you know, to accelerate the transformation of Chinese manufacturing capabilities to be a digital, to be a smart manufacturing system. Right, so I don't think uh, this uh, the hypothesis will happen in next even next 20 years right so and for obviously as you also mentioned in china there are some ways of saying you know we need to proactively figure a way how to contain uh indians uh, industrial transformation so on and so forth well, I look at the, you know, just uh, on the one hand, we're saying U.S. try to contain China. On the other hand, India was saying China try to contain India. So for me, it's like in this world, we are all connect and dependent on each other. Uh, no one can really contain uh, the other one to grow, to transform itself. Right. So I look at the uh, the whole thing. China has really make a great progress over last uh, two decades, uh, and uh, in the future two decades as well. I look at the you know this manufacturing capability take a long time and huge investment. Right. So I don't think uh, India will have uh, the uh, opportunity to really catch up with the uh, China pace. Because we always very proudly say, well, China speed. When we see it, we are able to mobilize the entire system to get it done, right? Even the recent year, uh, the Secretary of Foreign Affairs for India, he was saying he was actually a mayor of China for be able to confront the problem and solve the problem. Uh, he was saying Indian people always uh, oh, look at the problem and uh, hope the problem will be uh, disappearing one day itself rather than confront the problem and solve the problem. I, I see both countries will have a different strength and a weakness. And uh, I think definitely we should not let those hypotheses to block the view to exchange ideas and uh, try to share. As I mentioned earlier, I look at the China, India, we need to, uh, you know, try to explore a way to exchange, to build an adequate understanding about each other, right? I look at some areas for collaboration or uh, can be in the industry of educational program and OTC, pharma industry, Chinese medicine, software, food, and as well as uh, entertainment, movie industry. Those industries represent huge room for growth as economies are getting stronger every day.
I'm sure that everything takes time, and so both of these two countries have their own strengths and weaknesses, as you mentioned.、Uh, but in recent years, we see there are border disputes, and also that the journalists in these two countries, I mean, face some problems, and、uh, there are also like companies like Xiaomi are. Facing challenges operating there, do you think that、uh, the level of the country diplomatic approach? Do you have any suggestions that for how China should handle its relationship with India? Do you think that China should like optimize or adjust some of the its diplomatic approach、uh, with with India? Is there any like key aspects that China should pay more attention to? Well, I look at this、uh, cannot be a one-sided game. Yeah, it's not about what the Chinese、uh, side is going to do. I think、uh, both side will acknowledging the problem and、uh, be able to figure the way. I look at the recent、uh, engagement, uh, you know, between two nations. Some things we are still not aligned, but something. Our、uh, both teams are still keep talking. I look at those are positive signs. As a matter of fact, this week, uh, you know, I'm aware the G20 youth, uh, the entrepreneur delegation from China will go to Delhi to join the G20 youth, uh, the、uh, entrepreneur、uh, forum in Delhi. Right, so I think、uh, you know some communication, some engagement, some exchange of、uh, different opinion will crucial to help both side to、uh, you know grow and develop adequate understanding about each other. Right, if、uh, both uh, government uh, or both、uh, you know foreign affair teams they all just based on the newspaper. Uh, to make their judgment or the strategy for engagement, then I will see a bit、uh, bizarre, right? So we have to acknowledge India will become number three economy in the world, probably, uh, probably by, uh, two thousand thirty, and India, uh, well, even Indian business leaders also predict India will bypass the U.S. to become number two economy by two thousand fifty. Right? If I recall, I was reading this article. Indian tycoon、uh, Gautam Adani was saying early this year India has taken fifty、uh, eight years to reach a first trillion dollar economy, and now it only take twelve to eighteen months to produce another trillion dollar GDP. Right. So I look at the on the one hand,、uh, China side we need to、uh, understand India is grow. Obviously, is in the Indian way, right? And Indians also need to pay attention to Chinese side and the way how we interact with the neighborhood country, right? I look at the Indians. I always,、uh, you know, talking to some Indian friends. We always enjoy. Uh, recall the days、uh, when、uh, PM Modi was、uh, visiting、uh, President Xi in Wuhan before pandemic. That was、uh, the high time for both nation. I think、uh, we, you know, as the、uh, pandemic、uh, gradually settled the dust, right? And both country we need to、uh, send the teams to exchange at a different level. And、uh, I think the Chinese president will, will be there. I don't know whether in person or online for the G20, uh, summit in September, right? I look at the many uh platform for senior leaders of two nations to exchange your ideas, right? I look at the as far as a have a adequate engaging model that will help the two country. To build the adequate、uh, knowledge about each other and figure the way. If you look at the,、uh, in many years, right, China and India will never had too many problems. Only problem is、uh, today what we see the challenges, both this bill, and also part of the side effect of、uh, some other geopolitics impact, right? So I think、uh, with.、Uh, A、uh, good understanding about the root cause of uh, those uh, uh, dispute, and both sides need to figure a way. 
to work together because I be strongly believe it is in uh, both the government's uh, uh, faith that to improve the uh, quality of life and accelerate the economic development for both countries itself, right? I think that objective will prevail. Uh, we just talked about that. There's a talk about U.S. wanting India to replace China world supply chain. But there is also another talk viewpoint that the U.S. should be wary of India potentially becoming another China. Uh, and you just mentioned about the India's potential in, in terms of economic growth. So having held prominent position in American and in Indian companies, where do you see the U.S.-India relationship heading in the near future? Do you think certain disagreements between India and the West could influence a potential India-West alliance against China? Well, if you look at the U.S. system, uh, my uh, understanding is that they run by the different terms of uh, presidents, right? So in, in this regard, U.S. Uh, uh, most likely take a practical and short-term approach. Right. right now is because everybody is saying China is going to overtake US, uh, uh, the economy by 2032 or, or even before the 2035, right? So if you look at some people also acknowledging uh, China already passed US economy, uh, if you look at the, from the purchasing power, uh, perspective, right? So I think USC is working hard, try to team up with uh, whatever uh, country they can team up to, you know, put the uh, you know pressure on China growth, right? As simple as that. So in that regard, I see uh, USC is very uh, aggressive to straighten the agreement with the India. However, on the other side, if I look at in the history, even uh, during this uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict, uh, India has uh, maintained uh, quite a balanced uh, mid, uh, midnight view, right? So on the one hand, uh, from the Western world, we're saying, uh, India, you should not doing the business transaction with the Russia. You sh should stop buying the oil from Russia. But the India keep doing it. And uh, I look at the many uh, Indian uh, politician uh, when they got the pressure from a Western world, they always say, you know, I have uh, my view to do the things I want, right? So in the short term. U.S. try to do that, but then in the immediate term, I would say I will anticipate so as to see more disagreement uh, between U.S. and India relationship. Because one of the things as I talk about, even Gautam was saying on newspaper, uh, he believed in the democratic system. However, he also uh, believe or acknowledging the uh, the, the, in the world, they should not want democratic system. So that means uh, the diversity of a different system will be the beauty of the world. So that's a very Indian uh, style approach to tackle this uh, complex issue. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, uh, India completely get along with the U.S. will be a strong allies of uh, U.S., which I don't think so. Mm -hmm. uh, in your work, The Rise of India's IT Sector, you delve into the commonalities and uh, differences between Chinese and Indian corporate cultures. It's clear that Indian talent has made a significant impact in global companies, including those in Silicon Valley. Why do you think this is the case? Uh, what can the Chinese entrepreneurs and professionals learn from this phenomenon? Uh, I, I look at the, this phenomenon come from a certain context, right? Uh, if I really record my personal experience interacting with the uh, India or Indian people, and uh, as well as uh, taking a uh, leading role within Infosys, I look at the certain things, uh, you know, the culture definitely will make an uh, impact. But the global leaders with the Indian heritage, they have uh, created a differentiate 
a value proposition in global business environment between Asia and the world. Uh, what do I mean by that differentiate value proposition? Because they have a very simple things. For the Western side and the Western leadership, they look at Indian leaders represent the great names in executing strategies well. They have empathy. They are also hardworking, right? I recall last year, I was very impressed with this interview, CNBC interview with both this founder of Starbucks as well as incoming CEO, right? Incoming CEO is Indian, right? They hired this guy from UK. And uh, I look at the definitely I see the chemistry and uh, between this uh, founder and the incoming CEO definitely have uh, you know very charming relationship uh, in the business context, right? So I look at the from a Chinese side, many people, Chinese people ask me, Mike, what's your perspective and uh, how do you guys see Indian people in Infosys or in uh, those uh, global clients, they have an uh, interaction with the Infosys, so on and so forth. I look at Indians, uh, you know, have a very, uh, very good, you know, superior leadership attribute in articulation, in communication, and they are very uh, much, you know, comfortable in the, you know, co corporate uh, protocols. That means uh, how you are able to understand how to set a strategy, how to uh, the, the drive for the performance, deliver, solve the problem, and how you can get your hands dirty rather than, you know, sitting in the back to decide whether this is my problem or it is not my problem. So many people in front of the bosses, they always, uh, you know, travel extra miles to solve the problem. So I look at the leadership style, definitely uh, Indian people have, uh, you know, better, uh, you know, uh, knowledge in this regard. Some people, they will say, well, because uh, Indian people, uh, number one, uh, they maybe have this uh, colonial mentality. They are, you know, try to position themselves in the system and uh, work along with the system protocol to uh, get that recognition from the uh, those uh, people. And the other hand, some people also acknowledging, uh, saying, well, because uh, back in India, there are not many opportunity. Uh, I look at that maybe back in uh, 10 or 20 years ago. So many smart uh, Indian people, they, once they join the West, they uh, get the uh, you know engineering degree and uh, join multinationals and work through the corporate ladders. Uh, in the course of uh, pursuing that, they also, after a couple of years, they choose to take an MBA to enhance their management knowledge. So they, in doing all these things, they are, you know, building up the adequate knowledge about how to navigate in the corporate world. So I look at the definitely from a Chinese side, we need to look at the, you know, obviously how we can learn from the uh, the U.S. market and how uh, we are able to learn how the corporate protocol in this uh, uh, the from the Indians. Well, if I look at the under contracts, Chinese uh, business leaders either they feel you know I reach a certain level, director level, or even a few VP level in most of a uh, 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 technology company. I am a comfortable life, have a family. I just uh, stay with the well I am. Or on the, the other side, some Chinese maybe have more passion to start a business because Chinese economy is growing fast, and then they choose to come back to China. Uh, to do their own things, right? So I look at both sides, we need to learn and uh, how to, you know, adapt to the opportunity they feel familiar with. If you look at from a global context, Chinese people need to learn from Indians how to uh, navigating in the uh, 
uh, global context or corporate protocol, right? As uh, time goes by, if more Chinese people can be successful in the corporate life and uh, you will see more Chinese leaders to take uh, top jobs in those multinationals. So I look at the both sides. We need to learn from each other. So do you believe that uh, the so-called Indian uh, colonial history and the language that Indians speak, I mean, Indians speak uh, English as well, um, give them some advantage uh, in competition with, well, their Chinese counterparts in the Western companies? Yes, it does. But uh, that's not the determining factors. If you look at the, you know, Chinese typical mindset about Indian people's success is, well, they speak a better English. By the way, if I do, do really look at numbers, uh, approximately maybe just a 10% of uh, people in India, they are, you know, uh, speaking English. And if you look at many, even in the Infosys, in my context, many people, Indian people during lunch or they work in the team meeting, they speak their own local dialect to interact with them. Even like a Chinese will say, you know, we have English and Mandarin mix up in our communication with the Chinese people, right? Indians do the same thing. When they talk to the people outside, like to me or to the Western leadership, they will speak a decent or proper English, right? So I look at the one thing is that demonstrate their adaptability to the environment and how they are able to learn, how they are able to learn master necessary skills in order to work in the protocol to get along. Right, so we should not undermine. Well, English is born with the Indians. That mentality is not true. Right, everybody is learning, and the way you learn, uh, you master a foreign language, give you a new window to the outside world, and give you a new hope or passion to put yourself and in the learning shoes and how to adapt the new knowledge or outside world, right? So I look at we should admire Indian people how to, you know, master the foreign language to be able to open uh, the new window for themselves, right? I look at many Indians who are maybe in the domestic market. Some Indians, they are comfortable to speak that I only interact with the local society or the relatives or friends. That's okay. But, uh, you know, for someone have a much bigger ambition to the uh, to themselves, to the family, they definitely get the, you know, adequate knowledge in uh, English is uh, clearly a very critical skill for them to get along. Uh, we talk about the, the, the success of Indian individual success in Western in global companies. But on the other hand, there are also some arguments about the current business climate in India. From your experience, uh, how would you evaluate the current business environment in India? What advice would you give to international companies looking to break into the Indian market? Uh, and how might they avoid potential run-ins with the Indian government as seen in recent cases with Xiaomi, Citibank, HSBC, uh, the Deutsche Bank. Right. I, I look at this uh, business environment, we cannot, I always say this to my friends, I cannot, we cannot, you know, assume everything will be done at the China pace, right? If you look at the, how China opened our door in the last 40 years, our government, our society are very much aligned to remove those uh, trading barriers to simplify the process or policies, right? Uh, where if you look at in a country like India, yeah, it's, it is very behind. But if you look at in the history, uh, back in the 1980s, well, it's even, it was much, much tougher. If you look at in the early history of how Infosys was started, everybody had a terrible headache. 
right? Figure a way to deal with the bureaucrats, deal with those policy, which definitely was very harmful to start your own business. Right. Over these days, I look at the environment in India has been improved from time to time, but it's still very different from the way we see what's going on in China or in the U.S. Because U.S. is a simple uh, market, you know, it's a well-developed uh, market economy, so if people from outside, it's very easy to get started or easy, uh, at least easy to understand how to do things, right? Well, in India, it is not the case. Even uh, the certain things are uh, well varied from uh, different states to the different states. So that's a reality, right? Claiming as the largest uh, democratic country, India state government and the business uh, authority, as well as the regulatory bodies, they all have a, they could all have a different opinion on the same issue, and that's the way system was built, right? So you cannot, uh, you know, based on Chinese mentality, I have uh, this uh, same from a government. Everything, uh, everybody will be lined up to support me. Like Modi was in Shanghai, he was saying to all the Chinese enter entrepreneurs, say, you know, you invest in India, you got a problem, you come to me. Sometimes it's not that easy, right? So we have to, you know, get an adequate uh, uh, understanding or do a proper assessment. If I may, uh, you know, uh, uh, based on my experience or my assessment, uh, top three consideration to really break into the uh, domestic market in India will be thorough. Number one will be a thorough assessment of uh, regulatory policy, business development, uh, even uh, currency exchange policy. If you can make a profit, are you able to transfer the money uh, out of uh, India? in a legitimate uh, manner and uh, what's the legal practice uh, about setting up uh, foreign owned enterprises or JV and uh, what's the government policy you know as you set up a foreign company and like lately they want the you know Chinese company to take uh, uh, the Indian uh, born CEO or COO or CFO in the Chinese company running a business in India right second things you have to uh, have a thorough assessment and understanding. I always say in India is the same case, right? Understanding the problem is half of the answer. So if we have a good understanding, then we can develop a strategy. Second, uh, as a business goes, uh, for the uh, business entity in India, you need a strong board of uh, directors or governance board. So this board is not uh, going to interfere with the uh, operation matters for the operation, right? For the sales, marketing, customer service, or product support, even supply chain. So this government, uh, the, yeah, the, the governance body or board of directors knows that the I would say the meters, how to detect the business environment changing from time to time, how those parameters, as I mentioned, regulatory, business, tax, foreign exchange, as well as employment law, have been improved from time to time, right? Sometimes maybe getting better, sometimes maybe getting worse. And this uh, board of directors or governance board need to have, uh, you know, constant assessment of this uh, running environment, right? That will be very important with, uh, so there will be the board uh, objective to make a key, uh, make a strengthen the connection with the local key stakeholders in government, regulatory body, or business communities. Right, I look at that will be important. Third, 
uh, you know, if I really put this thing, if uh, any bad things happen, well, I always have a plan B. Let's say if you look at in investment, there is no formula for sure win. You always uh, have to have a constant, uh, you know, a conscious idea about when and how. If I look at certain scenario happen, I have to get a plan B, right? So I look at those are the critical uh, consideration for a mature company to open the uh, uh, the operations in India. On the other side, uh, also I heard from my Indian friends, they will say, you know, you know what, in India, I see the Facebook, Google, I see many Western people, uh, companies, they are doing really well. So you cannot really complain the, for the busy environment uh, in India has been uh, uh, you know, severe to the foreign investments and the economy, the, the, the foreign direct investment or the ratio have been improved uh, in last couple of years, right? So I look at the, um, the transformation of uh, Indian system is in progress. That's what I have to say, right? And for the foreign companies like uh, Chinese company, European company, US company, even for Indian company, they running into a similar problems one way or the other. But we, how we learn from those uh, incidents or mistakes, how we build a supporting environment to be able to enable the enterprise or business excel in, in the market because it is uh, largest uh, population. It is, uh, you know, growing very fast, young generation. That's the very promising uh, side, despite all the uh, uh, hardship or challenges. That's why so many people are still a bit uh, bullish about how to run business in India. Uh, I like the three considerations you, you just mentioned. And uh, so do you think that if the things were being better handled from the Xiaomi side, for instance, such problems or run-ins can actually be better dealt with or even be avoided in such cases, despite political tensions between the two countries. Right. But I, I think there is always a way, you know, if you really look at, uh, I always say, try to mirror this uh, situation compared to what we have gone through, right? Many companies, they also run into a similar problems, not severe as, uh, you know, these days uh, with the Chinese or Western company in India, but uh, some company, multinationals had uh, similar challenges uh, in China over last 30 years, right? They had the problem to uh, transfer the, the profit uh, outside of China, how they try to convert the local uh, currency RMB into US dollars in a legitimate manner to be able to send back the uh, profit to the corporations, right? So I think uh, for globalization or company running the business in the global market, definitely there is uh, the learning curve for everybody to embrace, to everybody to learn and reflect. Right, so I'm not really negative on the, this uh, Xiaomi uh, uh, instance in India, but uh, also this is just part of the learning curve, right? If a Xiaomi probably can learn from uh, what they are and how they figure out the, the governance model, build a supporting structure, how to assess a similar you know challenges and figure a way fix to those challenges. Well, definitely then I would say they will be much stronger for Xiaomi in next 20 years. Uh, now let's move to the recommendation session. We invite every guest of our podcast to recommend something to our listeners. It can be a book, a movie, a TV series, a podcast, or even a video game. Uh, Mike, do you have anything to recommend for us today? Well, I look at this as my favorite part. I like many uh, Indian books and uh, I really fascinate. If I uh, could just recommend one book, I would suggest our friends to read 
Chuka Innovation. G U G A A T Innovation. Authored by David Duatu and a few more folks. And if I may, just refer to this former CEO of Nero Nissan, Carlos Gosen. And he was saying this book really explains how emerging economies are pioneering the art of fragile engineering, which also provides practical tips on how Western firms can likewise right, do more with less. I think this is very important for India and as well as China as a, you know emerging economy, how we are able to uh, play with our street smart to contribute to the development of society or innovation. I look at this book, I really fascinate about many things, many things even from a Chinese mindset, they feel, wow, this is not uh, unbelievable. They were saying maybe, yeah, amazing India, but uh, look at that. So, how the local people street smart be able to leverage in the very primitive uh, resources and uh, do the fix have a courage to do the fix that's very important and uh, talk about movie i also have this uh, favorable uh, favorite uh, indian movie i would suggest uh, tango and uh, the the actor is a famous uh, Admir Kahan and the story resonates a lot as I recall a similar experience that Chinese female non-distance runner who were trained before they become the world champions. I look at this uh, tango is uh, definitely is a great movie. I uh, whether you see that as an Indian movie or Chinese movie, I'll say it fits well in both uh, cultures. We have a belief, we have the the courage to take a hardship the, in our quest for the success. Juga Innovation is also a great book. I highly recommend everyone if you have a chance to read it. Uh, thank you for the recommendation first, and uh, I just searched the Zhuge Innovation on the internet. The, uh, Zhuge means searching the solution in an intelligent way to find like a low-cost uh, solution to solve a problem. And uh, that actually describes like three common features of the Indian entrepreneurs. First, frugal you know, trying to use limited resources to do more things, as you just mentioned. Second is that they are very flexible in thinking. They will pay much attention on uh, finding an innovative or creative way to solve problems. The third is that they are very uh, inclusive. They, they were trying to include more people into their economic activities. And that represents how, uh, you know, they... Indian entrepreneurs uh, doing things, which I think you also uh, mentioned a little bit in our uh, conversations. It actually reminds me of the some other countries like philosophy, such as the Kaizen philosophy in the Japanese entrepreneurs. Uh, it means like continuous improvement in terms of business operation. So it's really fascinating to learn because I know that both you and me, we all have like MBA degree. So, sometimes such type of things are also uh, what we have learned in the in the program. So it reminds me lots of things. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. And uh, for the movie, I think it's also another reminder that actually both of these two countries have lots of commonalities. Uh, I think you mentioned about the female long distance run. It's, it's about Ma Jiajun, uh, the very famous. I think lots of Chinese people know that. that that's right. Yeah. And, uh, right. I look at Ma Jiajun, it's exactly like uh, Amir Han uh, to do the similar things. Uh, this male coach has been, you know, very tough serious and push the, the 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 guys to the limits i really uh, the, i look at that that's what i keep saying uh do you really see that uh, indian movie or chinese movie but uh, it is a great showcase to the western world to appreciate how the people from this part of the world demonstrate the uh, the, the the strong desire and to pursue the excellence, right? That's a great movie. Yeah, yeah, it's the competitive nature that you can. Find. Both of these two countries, like that's a great movie. 
And uh, yes, uh, thank you so much, Mike. Thank you for taking time to have this podcast show with us. I really appreciate giving us lots of great insights into the China-India relationship. Thank you, JJ. It definitely is my privilege to have this opportunity to discuss those things with you. I feel uh, not only I share my experience, also I learn a lot uh, from you as well. And uh, thank you so much for having me. The Jingzhou River Radio podcast is a part of the GR Media Outlet. Our show is produced and edited by me, Jiang Jiang. He Yuzhe from University of Chinese Academy of Sciences, Yu Liaojie from Shanghai International Studies University, and Jia Yuxuan from Beijing Foreign Studies University. For cooperation in investing or feedback, email me directly at jiangjiang at gingerriver.com, or just give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We would be delighted if you would recommend our podcast or newsletter to others if you find it helpful. Thank you for listening, and see you next time. Take care.